0: Wayne, we finally did it.
1: What did we do, Ben? we get Dave Grohl as a guest?
0: Well, we didn't do that.
1: What about Eric Church? we get Eric Church as a guest? Is that it?
0: We didn't do that either, but... Oh, man,
1: then you got to tell me you got Shania Twain, my my, my rock and roll crush. She's going to be on the show, right?
0: We didn't do that either. We finally joined Patreon.
1: Oh, we did, did we?
0: We, we did, and for as little as $3 a month, you can help support the podcast And of course, depending on the tier that you select, you can get access to episodes a week before they go live to all of our listeners. And also as a special treat at the guest revisitor level, you can join us for an episode to talk about one of your favorite records. And we might also just have a special guest join us for that episode as well.
1: And all new Patreons at all levels will be invited to our first ever live stream event on May 18th where we talk about one of the greatest records of all time, The Clash's London Calling.
0: And speaking of favorites, one of our favorite guests, Ira Elliott of Not a Surf, is going to join us for that live
1: stream. So go to patreoncom recordsrevisitedpodcast. That's all one word to sign up.
0: And we'll give shout outs on our episodes for all new revisitors. So big shout outs to our first four Patreon revisitors. That includes Kevin Peters, who's our first ever patron. Thanks a ton, Kevin. Also shout outs to Tim Reed, Andy B, and Carly Anderson. All new patrons, thank you all so much.
1: And I'm going to be purging the closet. There's going to be some t-shirt giveaways at some point, too. All right. You ready for the actual episode? Absolutely. Cue up the intro music.
0: Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is a guy who's just a happy kid, stuck with the heart of a sad punk. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate.
1: Hola, Ben. I
0: so for this episode, we have a special guest who you may know from her music under the moniker Gretchen's Wheel. Her most recent record is called Such Open Sky. We're going to talk about that. So please welcome to the podcast, Lindsay Murray. Hey,
2: thank you for having me.
0: How you doing? I'm doing
2: good. Doing good.
0: All right. Well, uh, premise of our podcast, fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each episode, I ask the all-important question, Let's start with Wayne, what t-shirt are you wearing?
1: I am wearing a shirt I got from a recent guest. Uh, call me spinster.
0: Oh, there we go. All right. Ironically enough, we're putting out that episode next week. There At, we go. So, um, actually, for for all of you people listening to this episode, the episode's gonna will have been out for a month. But yeah. Now now you know a little bit of the sausage-making factory behind the scenes here. We uh, we record a month in advance. All right. Um, Lindsay, how about you? What T-shirt are you wearing?
2: I am wearing the shirt for Ardent Studios, the studio in Memphis, Tennessee, that uh, a lot of famous records were recorded there. But the reason that I am a fan of Ardent Studios is Big Star. All their records were recorded there, and I'm a huge fan of Big Star. So, yeah, I got this shirt. I think I ordered it online several years ago, but I actually did get to tour the studio in person four years ago Okay. and got to meet Jody Stevens, the drummer, big star. And he actually is the one that gave us the tour of the studio, which was a really awesome experience. Yeah,
0: he like works there, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think pretty much runs it. I think. Runs
0: it? Okay. Yeah.
2: yeah, and it was just like he was just there. We walked in that day and there he was and it was like, hey, can we get a tour of the studio? <laughs> it was it was very informal it was me and my husband and we just you know got to walk all around the place and see all the rooms
0: that's very cool very yeah. cool the one time that i've been to memphis so um they were not open at the time i think they were doing they were doing um tours maybe once or twice a week and um so they were not open the one time that i went so i did the i did the sun studios tour instead
2: yeah, we did that one as well, and it yeah. was like, yeah, this is the one we're supposed to go to. Like everybody that is a tourist in <laughs> right. Memphis has got to do this. So we did that one too, and it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it, but like my heart was, you know, the reason we were there was to go tour. Yeah.
0: Did City. <laughs> you? I I haven't done the Stacks one. Did you do the Stacks one as well?
2: No. Okay. We really didn't do
0: that. Okay. Yeah.
2: We weren't there very long. We didn't stay. It was like an overnight stay, I think. Yeah. Maybe.
0: I was there long enough just to do Graceland and Sun Studios, and that was... So, one of these days, I'll get back over there.
2: Yeah. yeah, It would be really great, I mean, because Jody, Jody will... If he's there, will yeah. be kind enough to show you the whole place.
0: Very good. <laughs> Alright, well, I'm wearing... Um, here, I'll, sh- I'll show you. Uh, oh, so, I'm wearing the uh, the 15th anniversary tour shirt... Of not a surfs let go. Well, we're we're gonna chat about that here, and let's let's uh, let's talk about Lindsay's music first before we dive into to that. So um so a, a couple thank yous. First off, thank you for the records you sent me. Two of your records, which I'm a sucker for colored vinyl, so um, that I, I've spun both of those. Wayne and I are both pretty simple the way to our heart is for me, it's vinyl and for Wayne, it's t-shirts. So, uh, I'm just letting all prospective guests out there know that all you have to do is tell us that you're going to send us shirts or records and, um, like you'll get the invite to the show. No problem. So, um, very cool. Thank you so much. Second thing was, you listened to one of the episodes where I talked about being in Nashville for the 15th anniversary of Let Go, their, their tour, and you're like, um, I was there at that show, and I just happened to have um, been able to record it. So how, how did that happen? You, you were able to, to, to soundboard this one, right?
2: Well, I just met someone before the show who – Who did that? I wasn't the one that recorded it myself. I just I was there early. I always get to shows super early. So I was hanging out, you know, and he was there, and he was setting up his, I don't really know what kind of recording device he had, but it was like taped to the pole in the middle of the floor. (laughs) And the sound quality (laughs) is really great, you know. He records shows a lot and goes to different, like, he just, I don't think it, he was not from Nashville. I think it was from Ohio or something, but. Okay. Yeah, we were just chatting and he was setting up to do that. And we uh, became Facebook friends. And after the show, I can't remember if he posted it publicly or he just sent it to me. But that's where I got that recording. So I was extremely fortunate to have this run into the guy and been able to listen to the show again afterward because it was just insanely great.
0: Oh, so good. It, it's and I know that I'm I'm being total fanboy, and Wayne will probably give 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 me grief after the show. He won't do it on the air, but he'll give me grief for fanboying. Um, but that is one of my top five shows that I've ever been to, just because a they played Let Go in its entirety, and then they took a break, and then came back out and played like another 15 songs, like it was just such a great night of uh, of music and you know I, m- I mentioned this on the one other episode that we talked about not a surf was I was sitting behind the, the the drunk dudes that when Matthew started when Matthew started talking about the song The Fox which is a commentary on Fox News the, the drunk dudes in front of me yelled out something to the effect of um, just effing play not a surf and Matthew was like so gracious so I had to listen to that, that track and you know Matthew was just super nice and he was like you know I kind of had a feeling about you guys and he's like if you want to come over to the merch table afterwards you know we can talk that's what this is all about is just having a dialogue and anyways it's Matthew's just the coolest dude he really is
2: yeah, I, I remembered that happening, but I've, I've only seen Nada Surf in concert three times, and I'm terrible about getting things mixed up, which happened at the <laughs> show. And it was like, I knew that that had happened, and you mentioned it, I think, in the other podcast. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I hope. Is that the one? That has to be the one, because if you were there, it had to be that one. So that's the one I have the recording of. I should, I need to go back and listen to it again, and, and, and you know, because I remembered it happening, but I couldn't remember yeah. exactly the details.
0: Yeah, that was my one my one and only time seeing not a surf. So oh, they, they – well, because they don't play – they haven't played in Florida. And I gave Ira a bunch of crap about it because Ira lives down here in Florida. I'm like, dude, why do you not – why do you not play? And he's like, well, you know, it's – I think the reasoning he gave me was, A, not really a fan base down here, which, you know, I get. Um, and then, B – Like everybody else that talks about coming to Florida, logistically, it's just not it's not easy to come down here because whereas if you go through, you know, Atlanta, you can get to, you know, North Carolina or you can get to Alabama pretty quickly going through Atlanta here. You got to drive down to Orlando or Tampa or Miami, and then you have to drive back out of Florida as well. So I get it. But Still makes me
2: mad. Yeah, I'm super lucky to live near Nashville because it seems like that's gonna be a tour stop for everybody. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very. Yeah, so I get to see a lot of great shows.
0: How how far out are you from Nashville?
2: About fifty miles.
3: Okay. So it's
2: not. Yeah, you know, I mean, when people say where are you from, I usually say near Nashville because you know you're not going to know of any other landmark right. nearby. So and yeah, close enough to Nashville to feel like that's you know. Home-ish, you
0: know, like home city kind of. So, so is there for Nashville? I know we've we've had you know a, a, a large majority of our guests are live in Nashville. They may not be from Nashville, but they live in Nashville just because you know just all the connections with with music. A lot of our guests are more on the Americana side. Your your music is not Americana. Mm-hmm. It's more, I guess. If 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 you had to label it, I would, you know. Somebody asked me, uh, you know, when I saw Deep Sea Diver open up for Wilco, and they're like, "Well, explain Deep Sea Diver to me." And and I'm like, um, K E X P, or the current. That's that's Deep Sea Diver. That that would be where I would lump you as well. It's more. Um, I I don't even know. Do you call it college rock? Do you call it indie rock? What do you call yourself?
2: Well, I've I've struggled with that, too. It's really cool to hear you say that that, about KXP and The Current, but as far as I know, they've never played my music. (laughs) It's not for lack of trying.
0: Okay, well, we need to change that. Yeah, we need to change that.
2: Yeah, but that would be very cool, Yeah.
0: Because you've been, you, you're connected with a lot of those, the artists that do get p- played on KEXP and The Current. Um, so is it is it this album, the most recent album that um, you had John R. from The Posies help you with?
2: Yeah, he mixed one of the songs. So okay. Was, yeah, that, that was the extent of it. And he was also the one that arranged for Brendan Benson to sing backing vocals on that song. So he was... He was responsible for some pretty significant aspects of the album, but it was just the one song. Yeah.
0: Is that Interloper?
2: Yes, that's right Okay.
0: Heavy. Yeah. Okay. As soon as as soon as I heard those vocals, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's Brandon.
2: Yeah, he's got an unmistakable voice, yeah. and that's yeah. one of the reasons why I wanted him on it. I love his voice. i just love
0: uh, it's so good.
2: And he blew my mind with those backing vocals. Like he just came up with all those parts. You know, I had gave him given him no direction, and he just did all that. And I was like, yeah, there's a reason why people love him. <laughs>
0: Wayne 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 was shaking his head too. I'm I'm assuming that was that was the the, the one song on the album that you're like oh Yo, yeah. Uh,
1: well that one and and the first track, I try. Uh, you should know. I try, you should know. Uh, yeah, both those tracks were the highlights for me. I just I only listened to it the one time yesterday, but I love the. It's got a especially the vocal the harmony vocals have a they they remind me of the of like Michael Steele and. Uh, Vicky Peterson from the Bangles, they give that that give it a real bangles feel. I like
2: it. Yeah, the, the first track is uh, also has backing vocals from Matthew Cause. That's right. That has, oh nice. You know, another connection there.
3: That's
0: right. How did, how did you how did you make that connection?
2: Well, it sort of goes back to the beginning, my first album, because with my first album that was produced by Ken Stringfellow of the Posies. No. Yep. And also, Ira from Not a Surf played drums on the first album. So I did not know that it was already. A, yeah, it was. He played like seven songs on that album, okay. I think. And the reason that that happened was because I was in touch with Ken already, and Ken knows Ira, and he asked me, "Who do you want to play drums on this album on the ones that you didn't program drums for?" I'm like, "Well, you know, what about Ira from Not a Surf?" And I was just throwing it out there, thinking, "You know, why not ask for?"
0: Sure. Go, number
2: one name on my list, you know, <laughs> go
0: big or go home. Right.
2: Exactly. You know, like I already have Ken Stringfellow producing this record. Why not just, you know, see, and it, it worked out. It, it, he, he played all seven songs in one day in the studio. All this stuff was always done remotely. Everything I've ever recorded was, okay. you know, sending files back and forth. Uh, so that was where the connection with Ira started. And I don't know, just, uh, Ira played on my second album as well. And then, through the years, just uh, through social media, I just you know, became friends with Matthew on Facebook. And their last tour stop in Nashville, which was January of 2020, on their most recent tour, which yep. was right before the pandemic hit, uh, I was in the middle of recording the, the latest album. It was about halfway finished, and I've was hanging around after the show like I always do and <laughs> trying to get <laughs> trying to get stuff signed and all that. oh yeah and I mean it was just so great to see I mean the show itself was just amazing it was just very uh rejuvenating in a sense because I was sort of in this slump in the middle of recording the album and not knowing whether I was really even gonna finish writing a full-length album or just stop with where it where I was at at the time and make it an EP. You know, I was kind of feeling down creatively. And I had already felt like this huge, I don't know, resurgence of creative energy just from seeing the show. And then after the show, I see, like, I'm going to say hi to Ira. And as soon as I see Ira, he's like, hey, Lindsay, guess what? I've got a recording set up at home now for my drums. So send me some songs. I want to play drums on some songs. And I was like okay, so that means I got to write some more songs. This is going to be a full length album and he's going to play drums on some songs. So like that, that just sort of, uh, I don't know, gave me some extra motivation. And also talking to Matthew after the show, he, he, he mentioned, you know, if you ever need some backing vocals, I was like, yeah, I'm going to need some backing
0: vocals. If you're going to volunteer it, I'm going to ask it.
2: Yeah. You know, which I, I knew that he would have known that I would have wanted that anyway. So like, it was just like, Yes, I have an album in the works right now, so if it works out with everyone's schedule. At the time we all thought that they were gonna to be touring pretty extensively throughout the year. Right. And even so, you know, I thought maybe we were gonna be able to work it out in between tour dates and everything, and then obviously their tour got canceled, I think maybe in March, it might have been April. Um uh, yeah. so everybody was suddenly quite a bit more
0: available than they were planning on being Oh, uh, we, we, we know we've been the recipient of, of people being available to come on the podcast so um, yeah we, we we get it the availability is is a, a blessing and a curse blessing that they're coming on but a curse because we know that they're not out there giving us live music so uh, All right. fingers crossed that that's going to be happening again real soon so Is Ira on Shapeshifters?
2: Uh, no,
0: he's not. The, okay.
2: No, that was one of the first, the first batch of songs, the first half that was finished before, uh, before the Not a Surf Show that sort of the, was the turning point point in gotcha. the, the second half of the album. Yeah, that's
0: that's my favorite song on the record. Oh, cool.
2: Thank you.
0: <laughs> um, so to, to who all is playing on that one?
2: On Shapeshifters, that is just me and Nick Bertling on the drums. Okay. And uh, he played drums on. I, I guess it was about half the album, and he's played drums for me many times and mixed out mixed songs.
0: So when you say it's just you, there's there's a lot of moving parts to it. So how how many tracks are are you playing on that as opposed to Nick doing the the, the drumming part?
3: Uh let's see here
2: (laughs) I just so happen to have a CD here let's look at the credits on that song if I can read this tiny print uh, all the vocals all the guitars the bass and a couple of different keyboard parts so I don't know how many tracks that actually added up to but all of those parts I'm sure it was a lot Yeah, I would have to open up the file to know the exact number
0: i'm just so i'm i'm so impressed with people who can who can do that where they're just like well i'm gonna noodle with the guitars and here's here's the track for that and then i'm gonna noodle around with what i think are the lead vocals and then here's what i think are going to be on the background or the harmony vocals and then you're all putting it all together i just um yeah, it's it's amazing that people can 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 do that.
2: It's extremely time consuming. At least it is for me. I bet, yeah, because I'm yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not someone that can just pick up a guitar and play a lead guitar solo in one go. It's gonna be I'm, it, I better plan the whole day around that solo. You it's know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. gonna take me forever to figure out what I want to play. I'm not very spontaneous with coming up with parts. I, they're very meticulously planned and yeah. And I'm totally self-taught engineer and everything, so I'm probably doing the most inefficient possible method of everything..
0: Oh. no, I, I, I get it. it's It's all about tinkering around and and figuring out how to make things work. ever had one of those scary moments where you're playing around with your tracks and and something happens and goes awry and you're like oh crap
2: yeah i've accidentally deleted giant chunks of tracks before and have no idea how or why and luckily undo 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 will save something yeah but, yeah you know, it's ugh, yeah definitely had those moments
0: <laughs> technology it's our it's a it's our friend and our enemy all all together um all right, so I did. I did want to go back to the start for for you. So you mentioned that you that you live outside of Nashville. Um, going back to you know my original conversation about Americana stuff. So how were you introduced to bands like Not a Surf? Considering again that Nashville is isn't always playing bands like Not a Surf. Right.
2: Yeah. I actually realized I never answered your question about. Genre and I, I guess probably because I didn't have a good answer for it.
3: That's <laughs> fine. That's fine. Anyway,
2: I don't know. Sometimes it's power pop. Sometimes it's just yeah. alternative. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what it is. Melodic rock. Sometimes I say that.
0: There we yeah. go. I like it too. Okay.
2: Yeah, but I definitely did grow up around country music primarily because uh, g- location and also my mom was a country music singer and okay, yeah, she uh, so, so my earliest childhood memories are associated with her singing and songwriting up until I was maybe nine or ten years old, I guess. Yeah. Um, So the only thing that I would have ever been listening to would have probably been country and maybe some classic rock, whatever my parents were listening to at that time. But I think maybe when I was around 12 or 13, I started just listening to other radio stations. Not that we had a lot came in very well where I live, you know, but a couple of right. months, I started listening a little bit to stuff that wasn't country, and I, it's kind of funny, the, the, the first distinct memory that I have of when music actually started to feel like it was for me, like my music, was when I was around 14, I had a subscription to Sassy Magazine for <laughs> D <kid>. Day <laughs> I don't okay. even know why, but they had music reviews in there, and I would read them. And because there was no really good other way to hear about like, like alternative rock right. bands, I guess. And we're talking this is the mid nineties. And I read a review of Matthew Sweet's 100% Fun in the magazine, and the way it was described, it was like it was super interesting to me. I was like, I, I should hear this record, you know. And I think I ordered it somehow. I don't even remember how. I know it came in the mail as an order, though. Like, so it was just a total leap of faith. I had never heard a note of it. I had never heard Girlfriend, you know, like the, I didn't have MTV, MTV, so I had never heard any of his earlier stuff. And I just remember listening to the CD that day. And by the time the second song started, I was like, well, i'm going to learn how to play guitar <laughs> like i'm you know my mom and dad are both musicians and everything i was like i they're going to teach me how to play guitar immediately i'm going to start writing songs it was like just an instant life-changing moment like this this sound whatever this is is what is my thing now so it was just by chance reading a music review in a magazine very very old school does that even happen anymore but yeah, and from that point on, everything else that I listened to was usually somehow connected to him. Like, I would read a, another review, and if they mentioned, like, this band sounds like Matthew Sweet, I'll, I'll have to look that up. And whatever this phrase power pop is, I've never heard that before. If a band is considered power pop, I'm probably going to like that, you know? Right,
3: so, right.
2: Uh, yeah, but Not A Surf I did not discover until 2013, so I was well past my teenage years okay. at that point.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and what did you hear first?
2: Inside of Love. I totally missed popular had never heard of that again didn't have MTV in the 90s so I just yeah none of that but I had just started listening to I think it was called iTunes radio at the time I don't know that it even exists anymore but I don't think so it's sort of like Pandora where you put in an artist that you like and then it starts playing other things for you that are similar And I just discovered that in iTunes and I was like, well, let's put in Matthew Sweet, you know, obviously. And then in that station it created for me, it was playing tons of stuff that I'd never heard of before, including the first one I heard by Not A Surf, which was Inside Of Love. I heard The Posies the first time that way. I heard Brendan Benson the first time. That Lots of bands. And it was just like, I have really been missing out. <laughs> so, and of course, in 2013, you know, we're talking about a long time after the 90s. You know, I, I missed out yeah. on a bunch of this. And Not A Surf and Posey's primarily, hearing them at that time, that was the big inspiration for me to start getting back into music again after a really long hiatus. Like I hadn't been writing gotcha. songs or recording for it many years and hearing that stuff was just very inspirational to me. And that was the reason that I got around to recording my first album in my thirties. <laughs>
0: so, so this is my opportunity for a shameless plug. So, um, we just, we just recorded, uh, an episode on a hundred percent fun. Um, so that so that will be coming out uh, a couple weeks before this this episode does and of course we've recorded with Matthew Sweet so you got to hear his influence which is the Beatles
2: right. yeah I heard that episode that was great
0: um so that was that was uh that was awesome um because Matthew like Matthew's music just means a lot to 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 me um my introduction to to um to not a surf was of course popular because Wayne and I had MTV back in the day but you couldn't escape MTV during that time period without seeing popular um, and then they dropped off the face of the earth or you know so we thought and so um, I guess that kind of leads into what uh, what record we're going to talk about? So maybe I should just say, hey Lindsay, tell us what record we're going to talk about for this episode.
2: It is not a surf's let go.
0: So so you mentioned you heard Inside of Love. What was your immediate reaction after you heard that? Did you like rush out to buy the album? Did you rush out to find more not a surf? What was what was the reaction?
2: Yeah, I looked them up immediately. And saw that they had a lot of albums, and I was sort of overwhelmed. I well, mean, not a lot of albums, but several. It was not like just this easy. Oh, here's one album, and I'll just buy that one, you know. Right. In fact, I think at the time, see, I didn't have a turntable, and I hadn't bought a CD in forever because I didn't have a good way of playing CDs. So the only thing I ever did was buy downloads. If I ever did, yeah. So I think I bought their at the time most recent album, "The Stars Are Indifferent to Astronomy." That download. Because I had sampled it, and I really love Jules and Jim, and just loads of those songs. And for some reason, I think that was the only one I bought at the time, which is kind of weird. But I'm sort of like, I can't handle too much all at once. I gotta absorb the one album completely before I'm ready to.
3: Yeah.
2: But then it wasn't long before I bought the rest of everything digitally, and then later a couple years later, when I got a turntable, it was like, now we have to get them all on vinyl, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure why Let Go wasn't the first album that I got. I don't know. Because to me now, if I had to pick a favorite, it would probably be Let Go of all of their albums. But it's usually whichever one I'm listening to right now. That's my favorite.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and we haven't even talked about. Um, so you put out a. Do you consider it a full length or an EP of of not A Surf covers I that you did? I called
2: it a full length album. It was very right on the border between EP. It was eight yeah. songs. It wasn't eight, eight songs, album. right? It was yeah. not enough. That's the thing. If I have any regrets about that album, I should have gone ahead with my urge to record more songs, and I should have done five or six more. You know, while I was at it, why not? Why shouldn't I?
0: <laughs> what what songs? What songs are you kicking yourself that you didn't do for that
2: oh, for that yeah. album? so many, you know, probably, uh, well, you know, several people have told me since then that, you know, why didn't you do blonde on blonde? And I was like, I don't know. It's because I was trying to, I was trying not to go overboard and be extremely self indulgent because it felt like a very self indulgent project anyway. Like the fact that I was doing it at all was like, who do I think I am?
0: (laughs) Listen, you had you had already done a couple covers off of Let Go. So Killian's Red was one. What was the other song off of Let Go?
2: Well, I did No Quick Fix, which That's right. Yeah, my, my goal was to do like one song per album, except their first album, because I I wasn't as familiar with, with High Low. So I was yeah. like, let's do one song. But I had to do No Quick Fix and I, I allowed myself to put that one in there because it was the non US Right of Let Go. And I just really wanted to include it.
3: Yeah.
0: All right. So why don't we, why don't we dive into the record? So you already mentioned there's, there's two versions of this record. There's the European version that came out first that came out in September of 2002. The U S version come, comes out in February of 2003. Um, Slightly different, different uh, track listing as well. Um, This was their third album and I think we've already kind of talked about how they kind of went through a little bit of a, I don't, I don't even know what you call it. Um, dealing with, dealing with record labels, like a lot of other bands did during the nineties where, uh, the record label was, you know, they, they give them the proximity of, is it proximity event or effect effect? Effect. I always get, I always screw that up. Um, They bring that to the record label. Electra listens to it and basically says, "Um, we don't hear popular on this. And they're like, yeah, why why are we going to do another popular? Um, And so essentially, did they, did Electra drop them or did they, or did the band say, we want to get out of our contract?
2: I'm not really sure. Actually, you would think I would know this history. <laughs> I know you would think, you would think that I would know
0: this too. Um, all right, Wayne, write write down. This is the next question that we ask Ira the next time he's on our, on our, uh, on our show. Cause I don't, I don't think I've ever asked. So anyway, so, so there were a couple years where they weren't really sure what was going to happen. Like, all of them ended up getting other, like other jobs. I know Ira played on, you know, uh, Rico um album during that time, toured with him uh, on a couple different things. He was doing other stuff. Matthew was working at a record store during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember what Daniel was doing, but I'm, I'm sure he was, he, you know, he went and did something else as well. And, 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 this comes out, and I, and let me tell you my 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 history with 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 Not a Surf. So, I hear this on KXP, and whatever it was, two thousand three, two thousand four, I guess it was it was it was late two thousand three, and, um, I fell in love with Inside of Love, like I that was a song that I needed to hear. Then I was. I had just moved to Florida. I was licking the wounds of, of a failed business. I had two small kids at that point, um, just trying to figure out how to be a dad, how to be a breadwinner again, um, and putting the negative stuff of failing at, at my own business and just trying to trying to have a career. And that was a song that just hit me like um as soon as i heard that i am like that's not a surf like that's the popular dudes singing that um and of course i didn't have any money at that time so i hear a couple months later ke xp also plays blonde on blonde as well and at that point i'm like okay i i gotta buy this so you know i saved up a little bit of my money bought the cd the, you know Kids, this was back in the day where we didn't have Spotify. So we had to buy physical physical copies of of stuff. Um, and this was game changer for me. Like this I I was really worried that in two thousand three, two thousand four I was gonna become like my parents, where they didn't buy records anymore. And this was this was this was as soon as I got this record, I'm like I love records like I can't I can't not have records in my life yeah so this was a this was a game changer record for me um anyways I'm gonna get all emotional and stuff about this (laughs) about about this uh and I know Wayne you were you were late to the not a surf train so I kind of introduced you to not a surf we did an episode early on where I'm like I'm going to I'm going to turn Wayne into a not a surf fan, and I don't know if I've accomplished that yet. But um, has has this helped?
1: Yeah, I w- yeah, it all helped. I would say both um, you know discussing uh, Echo and the Bunnymen with Matthew and the police and the cars with Ira have also had an effect on on that. Also, um, but so I remember hearing Popular that was on the radio. I was listening to yeah. All, you know, alternative radio at that time, and then I this. What was interesting is I would have assumed that this came after Always Love because that was played on the radio. So I, I don't. The only thing I can figure is that they. I think Inside of Love is a great song, but I think they could have if they'd have released a different single, they might have. Because I my favorite song in this record, which I won't say what it is just yet, I think would have been a single that was played on you know, the local alternative station here, they end a lot.
0: Well, it got played on your local college radio station at KXP.
1: Is that a college?
0: Uh, well, I think at the time back in 2003, maybe it was, but now I don't even know. I don't know the I don't know the history of KXP, but it's, it's um, indie rock.
1: Oh Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anything else on bio info that we want to talk about? I think I brought up this third album was released on Barsuk, which they've had a really good relationship with Barsuk. They've been a fantastic label for them. Should we dive into it? You guys ready? I
3: think
0: so. All right. Let's go track by track. As a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record?
1: Twelve.
0: Yeah, we're gonna do the U.S. version. So, um, you Europeans that have a copy of this that are listening to this, yeah, you, we're we're doing the U.S. version. Um, sorry, don't at me. Okay, all right. <laughs> Which means our top song is gonna get twelve points. Next favorite, eleven points. On down to lowest score of one. So let's kick this off with Blizzard of '77.
4: on the snow and then later tripping in seven eleven, the shells were stretching out of control on a plane ride the more it shakes the more i have to let go now the signals still getting all mixed up we're always doing damage control But in the just to
0: give you a little more production stuff So we were going to record this episode last week, but we decided to hold off because we found out that Matthew and Ira were going to participate in Tim Burgess's, Tim's Twitter listening party, which has been one of the great godsends of the the last year and a half with the pandemic. Tim's Twitter listening party has been fantastic. Um, So anyways, we wanted to hold off until we heard Matthew and Ira chime in on some of the production stuff on this. And, um, uh, one thing that Matthew said was I have, um, he says people have pointed out that the really big blizzard in New York was in 78, but 77 is a better sounding number. Songs are often an amplified truth.
2: Right. Yeah. I put that in my notes <laughs> after, after that, I was like, that's such a good, good statement.
0: An amplified truth. I love it. Um, how is this? So, so Wayne, um, Lindsay and I are probably going to say this is, this is a great way to open a track, or I mean, open an album. What did you think of this, considering this is so different from really the rest of the album? What do you think of this as an opening?
1: So that's that's funny that you say, because in my notes I wrote that this is a, a wonderful beginning for longtime fans and people who ha, um, are are fans of the band and fans of all the records. Then this this probably feels like the the perfect way to start. And I'm 52, so I agree. It's da, it, it's a good way to start. But in trying to put myself in 2003 and a young band that's trying to fit in to Popular music and make it. I don't know if it was the best choice. I think it's a great song. I really like this song. How he he puts these and whether he moves the dates a little bit to make them work. You know, he's got this blizzard from when he's ten or eleven. Um, that lines about tripping in the Seven Eleven make me feel like his. It's his first experience with drugs. These 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 cornerstones in his life that he's remembering, and then these these great lines at the end. Like I know my I know I have got a negative edge that's why I sharpen all the others that, that as somebody who has, has some parts of his personality are not don't always mix well with others. You gotta, you gotta make it worth it. You gotta make it worth it all the way around. So sometimes you have to do better at some other stuff than you do at some stuff. And, but I, and uh, so it's a kind of a compensating kind of a thing, but I really love is the lines about it's like flowers or ladybugs, pretty weeds or red beetles with dots. It's totally perception. It's all about what you see. so, it's a wonderful song, uh, and I love that it uh, – I don't love that there's no drums because is missing, but uh, the, two, the acoustic guitars and then those, those layered vocals, uh, they're really it's – a, it's, a it's a great way to start the album for people who love the band already. Um, but I think in 2003, it may not have been the best way to start for achieving instant fame
3: i
0: love it it's a ballsy choice it's it's their way of saying this is not this is not the last two albums i think it's a ballsy choice um
1: i think it says a lot more than that too it says this isn't the strokes um this isn't the white stripes you know bands that were popular on alternative radio um who i think they're they show that they do have similarity to, to these bands in this record but yeah, I, I agree that it's ballsy, but I, I don't know that it sold records or made more fans, which in the end, it worked out. But at the time, it may not.
0: All right, Lindsay, what do you think of this song?
2: Well, I love it. I mean, I'll just say right now that I think this is a perfect album and there's no missteps at all. I mean, obviously. And again, every song I think should get the top ranking but I tried to play by the rules and
0: <laughs> I know we're heartless bastards and we make people score this I know I get it yeah, uh, yeah.
2: I mean I, I just it made me have to think you know I had to have certain criteria in my mind I guess you know as to what was going to make a song rank higher than something else The only reason that I consider this one lower on the list is because it is almost just like you said an intro to the album it feels a little bit mm-hmm. less like a complete song it's a bit short, it's about like two minutes, I think, and it just feels more like here's we're just you know preparing you, getting you in the mood for the rest of the album rather than you know a complete production, uh, like Wayne said, no drums and things like that. But I love that kind of thing. I love you know more simple productions of like acoustic guitar. Uh, so yeah, it's a perfect intro. It's just that it's not one of my favorite songs on the album just because of the fact that it feels like it could have could have been a longer more complete song I guess
0: <laughs> and I and I tried not to let the live experience um, shape the way that I was going to score this record but when we did see them for the let go um, for the let go tour so they played this record in its entirety and the first thing that happens is, Daniel, Ira, and Matthew come up. Were they sharing one one mic? I can't remember if they were sharing one mic, but, but they they do this they do this this song, and Daniel and Ira are providing the the, the you know the the harmony vocals. Dude goosebumps Exactly. Uh, it, gave me, yeah. <laughs> it gave me goosebumps because um, i'm like this is this is the way to to start out a, a show so
2: yeah that 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 is a really fond memory of mine of that show too like you know because yeah. i was so excited to hear this album and as soon as they they came up to the front and it might have been one or two mics i, I don't remember but it was
0: like, i don't remember yeah I, well this is
2: this is uh, the first time I'm going to cry tonight, there's probably going to be about 10 more times, <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to get the water work started already, you know? So I remember that every time I hear the song now, so I can sort of picture yeah. that happening and, you know, it's a very fond memory. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Me too. All right. Um, Wayne, your score on blizzard of 77, seven We're we're did you do that on purpose? seven for okay all right Lynn, Lindsay your score
2: this one's my two but it's just for the same reason I mentioned earlier the fact that it's a short song you know and something had to be two
0: <laughs> I got it this is my eight I just love it um all right next song Happy Kid All right. Uh, part of the Tim's Twitter listening party, Matthew said, Chris Walla did something on Happy Kid that blew my mind. Took two hours getting all the sounds that he wanted, then asked me to come in. He hit record on the half inch and play on the multi-track. Didn't touch the desk. No moves, no mutes, no nothing. So there you go. So Chris Walla from Death Cab for Cutie. Did he? How many songs did he engineer on this one? Do you do you remember? Did he say on the
2: three of them? Yes, and one of them was Blizzard of '77 in my notes. Anyway, yeah. hopefully they're right. I tried to copy and paste a bunch of the tweets. <laughs>
0: I know I did too. Yeah. I did too. All right, um, Wayne, this tracked really high for you.
1: Yeah, and I I think those those guitar driven hard harder rocking songs did because it's not what I associate with Not a Surf, um, and and so I. This was my first time listening to this whole record uh, in its entirety. And I just, I, I guess I was surprised that they weren't bigger. Because I mean, I think the f- my favorite part of this song is the first two lines where he said, I'm just a happy kid stuck with the heart of a sad punk. Because I think, you know, Gerard Way and Chris Caraba and Max Bemis were much more depressed. And therefore they emo took off. And these guys, he sounds happy. He he acknowledges that his life isn't perfect and that he has struggles. But overall, he just sounds like a a happy young guy, whereas the others are doomed and depressed. He's no Burt McCracken.
0: Yeah, they haven't got quite gotten their medication figured out for their depression is what you're saying.
1: Yeah. And okay. so, like I say, he he just is too happy to fit into the next rock phase that's about to happen in music.
0: Okay, Lindsay, what do you got on this one?
2: I really love this one. I know I ranked it kind of in the middle of the album, but it's I don't know it. One of the things that stands out to me, is the the lyrics, like I love the fact that he rhymed. Punk, junk, and clack clunk. Like just the fact that's just a, a bold move. <laughs> you know, like I, I don't think I would be brave enough to use the words clack clunk in a song. But it's perfect. Like the imagery of the roller coaster. Yeah. It's just like I can't think of a better way to just phrase that entire section of the song. It's it's just perfect. Like what what made you think of rhyming those words? But you know, I, I love I love that part and and I love the the part in the middle. I don't know if it's exactly the middle, but you know where it sort of slows down and gets quieter, and the pedal mm-hmm. steel comes in. That's another one of those decisions where it's like, who decided that, that in this song, this fast, upbeat, driving song, you're going to just sort of pull back and let this gorgeous pedal steel come in? You know, which is Louis Leno, played by yep. Lino, who I love. He's an outstanding keyboard player, and uh, he's played on my latest record too. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He's. I, I had to, you know, almost collect them all. Yeah, you know, <laughs> the whole <band laughs> on them. Yeah, so uh, that's just one of my favorite parts of the song is that contrast between the 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 fast parts, the upbeat parts, and then this kind of melancholy, wistful part. Yeah. And then you know you repeat like after that when it gets fast again, you know the lyrics repeat from the beginning, which something they do a lot is particularly on this album is to just like, you don't get another verse with other words. You get the same one, but I love that technique because it's like, it it feels familiar. Like the whole thing is one long chorus. Now, like when it, when it comes back in, it's like, yeah, I've I've heard this before, but it almost has more meaning this time. I don't, I don't know if that's the right way to word it, but it almost seems like it's just even more momentum building up because it's the, the same words from before. Yeah.
3: Love
0: it. It's a good effect.
1: Yeah. yeah well, there's a, the other thing they do is there's so the, uh, the there's a couple of lyrics with, you know, where the self-doubt and the in the adequacies, you know, there's too much sun, there's too much snow. There's a and then I walk around and want to cry. So he's got these that natural anxiety part. And then there's the line about uh, but I get notions that oceans are coming to my call three quarters of the world is covered in water and to the idea that you, so one minute you don't, you know, you don't know if you want to cry, you don't know what's going on. And the next minute you feel like you control the ocean. Uh, I just thought that was an unbelievable lyric.
2: That's really, I've never even thought about it that way before. That's really great.
3: Very
0: cool. (laughs) still
2: have stuff to learn about this album.
0: Yeah. Wayne, what do you got for a score?
1: Ah, 10. I love that guitar. And I, I liked, I liked hearing something that I, I, you know it wasn't popular it wasn't always loved it was something different and to find out that this band has another side to it that does meet up much better with my sensibilities was awesome
0: yeah all right uh lindsey your score
2: i gave this one a five
0: all right and this is my six all right next song inside of love story of finding out um about this song so no surprises just gonna throw it down top song this is my 12 Um, the uh, the one thing that i found out from the listening party was uh he said the chorus finally hit me while i was sitting in mccarran park five minutes away i literally ran home to record it before forgetting It was a crowded Sunday, and I remember weaving through people while running. Um, Said I had these verses for a while. I remember playing them over and over on a cheap red Dan Electro, scared of getting it wrong. Um, Parents' marriage had been bad, but I had such a longing and belief, I wanted to express it, but I didn't know how. Anyways, um, that's straight from, from Matthew. Um, yeah, I just love this song. This is, um, th- this gives me all the feels, uh, Wayne, what do you got on the inside of love?
1: Yeah, this is one. I I know this was the single and I was surprised that it didn't do better. Cause it does have, it, it does have a death cab for cutie postal service kind of some similarities to that, that I, that were huge. And I don't know why this wasn't being played on one seven, the seven, the end, mm-hmm. um, But I do. I love that line to be a me with you. I thought that was that's that that'll melt your heart.
0: Yeah. How about you, Lindsay? What do you like about this
2: song? Well, this this was the first song I heard by Not A Surf Ever. So that makes me have a very, you know, a a strong appreciation for it. And there was just something about it that was true, that ended up being true for so many of their other songs, too, that I would discover later. It's just like I'm hearing something that already felt like it was part of me, you know, like when I was hearing it, it was just like, this feels like this was all, you know, it was in my DNA already or something. Like there's just something about the feel of it, you know. Maybe the lyrics to an extent, but just the the whole thing, the whole sound of the production, the chord progression, the melody, just this, the mood of it, the world that it creates just feels like, you know, I already had this inside me. I was just waiting to get to finally hear it, which is a really terrible way to word it. But that's that was the <laughs> feeling that I got <laughs> when I first heard this song. It was just like, I, I have to hear more from this band. Um, just... I don't know something about the way that the bass moves in the chorus. I don't know, that that, that half step walking up to the minor mm-hmm. chord. The the way they just sort of linger on that in between note that that, that stepping up I'm just like I just love the fact that they embrace that sound and just make that such a highlight of the chorus. Um that, that just really stuck with me. And I think in the listening party Matthew said that uh he said all the verses originally had the more complicated chord progression of the the part that says, I see the last page so well, I can't read the verse. But then just before they started recording, he took most of those chords out of the rest of the verses. And I was like, <sighs> the first time I, when I heard that at the listening party, I was like, what? <laughs> like That was brilliant because it makes that, since it only happens once in the song, yep. it, it even has more impact. If it had happened in every verse, maybe not so much, but... It's just like, oh, you've been waiting. For Once you learn the song and it becomes familiar to you, you know, you get, you know, that part's coming. And it's like, it's just, I'm really excited when it happens because it's, it's just great.
0: <laughs> and it enunciates because it enunciates the best part of the song to me because those are the best lyrics of the entire song.
2: Oh, sure. I see the last page so well, I can't read the first.
0: <laughs> so it just <laughs> oh, don't start. Part. It's getting worse. <sighs> it's so good. It's so good. Alright, um Wayne, your score on this one? A nine. And then Lindsay. Eight. Alright. Next song is Fruit Fly.
4: I saw a swarm of fruit flies. I took the bag downstairs. When I came back, they were still there. Flying jerky patterns like snowflakes in the air. I'm sorry. You got nowhere to go. I'm sorry. You got nowhere to go.
0: And um, yeah, this this song, uh, I'll just throw this out. This is my least favorite song. The stream of consciousness thing that whatever he's doing at the beginning, um, yeah. it's it, it it it's grown on me over the years. Um, just full disclosure, I was an English major in, in college, so you know I've read my I've read my share of you know E, e. Cummings and T S Eliot and. Um, this has a very E Cummings type of feel at the beginning. I dig it once you kind of get out of that. Um, but maybe hearing from from Matthew, where he he mentioned he said the beginning of fruit, fr- fruit fly is totally literal. I was having takeout at my kitchen table, and the previous day's takeout was still there. I'm not that messy now, thank goodness. In my defense. I wasn't always then either just sometimes I noticed the fruit flies got up from the table, went into the living room, wrote the song in a few minutes and then came back and finished eating. It's the fastest song I ever wrote. I don't think I'll ever get that lucky again.
2: Anyways. Yeah. I I love that too. Like I can't imagine having something like that. Just, you know, not, not having to work on it for weeks and weeks.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Um, Wayne uh you didn't track fruit fly very high either what, what, what was it was it was it was the beginning
1: yeah, it's that first minute and a half where he's just saying what's happening yeah um, that's tough to pull off uh and so that's really where the score goes because I think uh the three minutes after that uh particularly Ira's drumming, I think was my favorite on this song at that that last three minutes yeah but i, I And it's funny, is this one is uh, a lot of this is very, feels very introspective. There's a, he's gonna say you and your and you've, but I think it just feels like he's talking to himself. Like it's not, it could be a breakup song, but it's it much more feels like he's he's talking to him. He's having a conversation with himself. And then the rotten food metaphor, I guess, (laughs) just got away from me. I couldn't.
0: (laughs) That's that's because you're OCD about your dishes. That's probably why, right? Sure. <laughs> all right, Lindsay. This this tracked way higher than for you. So, you you like that stream of consciousness stuff?
2: Yeah, but you know, I think because usually the lyrics for me are a, something I don't really even think that much about until later. It's all about the music and the vibe of a song, yeah, you know, way more so than the lyrics. So I can tolerate lots of. You know, nonsense and lyrics, if I like the sound. <laughs> not that this song is nonsense, it's definitely not. I mean, right. To me, I, I love the lyrics. I don't have a problem with it. It's just that I didn't really pay much attention to them until later. And this was a song that sort of grew on me, too. Like, I don't know that I would have ranked it as high, you know, in the beginning when I first got the album. It was just one that just over time has become some you know, a really strong highlight of the album to me. I remember the first time after I got my turntable and let Go was the first vinyl album I ever bought after getting the turntable. I remember hearing Fruit Fly for the first time in that context, and it was just like, uh, like a spiritual experience or something. I don't know. The, the ending, like when the drums are, you know, I mean, everything is just so intense at the end. I was just like, this, it's, it's only three chords, the same three chords the whole time. Right. But there's so much going on in that song, like melodically, I mean, and even in the beginning when it's the acoustic guitar, it's the acoustic guitar riff and then his melody, I cannot play that and sing it at the same time. I don't know I don't know how he does it. Like you got this entirely different thing going on in the guitar and the phrasing that you're singing, just the, you know, counter melody or whatever. it it just crosses me up every time. I can't I don't know how he does it. And I love that. And then the three chords that happen through the rest of the song It doesn't really feel like it's the same three chords repeating over and over because each section has this distinct feel, a totally new melody, a totally new thing going on. I mean, I just, I think it's an example of how you can be brilliant with just three chords, you know. (laughs) And, you know, I just, I just love everything about the sound of it.
0: Wayne, you might appreciate one of the other notes I wrote down for this. We, so we recorded a few weeks ago a, an episode on the Throwing Muses debut. And we talked, one of the things that we talked about a lot during that, that episode was how most of the songs are really two songs within one. Because they really change the, the tempo and the format uh, of the songs within the songs. This is one I, I wrote down. I said, Throwing Muses. Because the, he's definitely employing that tactic of you've, you've got the, the stream of consciousness stuff. And then all of a sudden, like the second half of the song, I, I love, I love the second half of the song. Um, and, and so that's why I was like, uh, I thought you would appreciate that. I, I threw out throwing muses. There you go.
1: Well, My favorite phrase, though, is towards the end when he says, I only have enough, only have enough gas. Left for the beer can canton canton bowl. Bowl. Like, i bowl. All I can do, all I can bring myself to do, is get up and go pee. That's it. I got nothing. Else.
0: <laughs> it's so good. All right. Um, yeah, I feel bad for my score. I did give this my one. Wayne, your score? Uh, three. All right. Um, and l- I know, Lindsay. I know. I know. I'm sorry, Lindsay. What's your score on this one?
2: I gave it a nine, which was even higher than Inside of Love. So, I mean, that really tells you something. (laughs) That's pretty funny. I
0: I wish I had a screenshot of Lindsay's jaw. I mean, you you might need some some rehab for that that reaction. All right. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right. Next song is Blonde on
3: Blonde.
4: Cats and dogs. Fourteenth Street is gonna drown Everyone else rushing
0: And when we originally had Ira on for the very first time, I was like, hey, tell tell Matthew we want him to come on to do an episode on Blonde on Blonde. And um, uh, luckily, he picked a record that is super important to him. So he went and picked, what was it, Ocean Rain, Echo and the Bunnymen? Yep. So even though, because he was like, I'm not a super big Dylan fan. Was one of his was one of his emails that he, he sent to me. Um, but from from the Twitter party, he said, I had a disc man. I was listening to Blonde on Blonde, the Dylan album. I was overcome by a feeling of gratitude that this rewarding, complex and beautiful piece of art would always be there to listen to really cheered me up. And it, it felt worth documenting. Here, here. That's why this is why we do the podcast because there's a lot of records that um, we want to celebrate as these beautiful pieces of art, and this is one of them. This album, to me, is a is a beautiful piece of art. So, uh, total totally get it, Matthew. Totally get it. All right, so this is my eleven. I'm just throwing that out there. Again, I'm 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 putting in the the whole. Personal stuff, um all of the sentimental stuff that that uh really has dictated my scores on this one, and um, I'm not gonna apologize for that so um Wayne blonde on blonde
1: and I don't like my score um but i i i' this is a great song, and I love how i the picture he paints in that first verse is it, uh, that's just extremely well done I mean, you just you can see. This rainy new york day with and you just with this album that that he's you know has moved him so i can just see this guy with headphones on staring out the window onto 14th street in the rain um and then the second verse is just good advice like don't waste your time with these people that you know somebody's always trying to convince you something whether it's that their life is better or whatever. Everybody's got a, a lot of people have an agenda that they want to push off on you. And he's just like, just keep walking down the street. Just, just, just. keep. And like the fact that they didn't make it sound like Dylan, I think that would have been, yes, a natural reaction to do. And I think staying away from that makes the song even better and more powerful.
0: Yeah, because when I first heard it, I was like, is he talking about Dylan? Because if you're celebrating Dylan, I would thought that you would have tried to be more Dylan.
1: Yeah, they would have said buckets of rain in the first line. Right, that would have been a bad idea too.
0: <laughs> right, right, and and he doesn't go there. It's it's. Uh, no, I'm staying. I'm staying. It's for the best. I'm staying true to myself, but I can celebrate. You know, I can celebrate maybe a genre of music that I'm not totally familiar with or that might not be my, my thing. I mean, considering he, he chose echo and the Bunnymen, most people, if you were to, to say, well, I'm going to listen to echo and the bunny And then right afterwards, I'm going to listen to Bob Dylan. They'd probably look at you funny. Mm-hmm. So um, anyways, Lindsay, what do you got on blonde on blonde?
2: Well, I, don't think I rank this one nearly as high as probably.
0: you just st- stop justifying your scores. It's all, it's all good. It's all good.
2: I, I love this one. I, mean, I love every song on this album so much, but again, you have to, it has to get a ranking somewhere, but this, I, I don't know the Dylan album. I'm not really that familiar with Bob Dylan. Unfortunately I should. There's a lot of music history that I have missed out on and I really need to you know, fill in those gaps. So I have never heard Blonde on Blonde, but um, wow, yeah, <laughs> okay. But the the sentiment in the song that that you were reading from his uh, Twitter listening party. That's how I feel about this album. That's how I feel about all of their albums. Is just that intense gratitude that I get. I got to hear this. You know, that this is here. And then at some through you know, the, the chances were much much greater that I would never have gotten to hear this album. you know and I, I, any time I discover something new that really makes a difference to me, that feeling always overwhelms me. Like I almost didn't get to have this, you know right because there was really no like, it, it was not guaranteed that I was going to discover not a surf at some point or whatever other artist. The fact that I was able to and then now I get to have this is just something to feel very grateful for. Yeah. So that I love that, you know, and then just as, as far as the sound of the song, I think like Wayne said, you can hear the rainy New York streets in it. I, that was in my notes too. It was like, even if he didn't mention rain in the lyrics, I would have thought this is a rainy song. I don't know if it's because of the reverb or whatever, but you know, I, I just love that the fact that you can hear that in the production. And there, there's, actually my favorite part of the song is the end and it sounds like at the end it might be Ira singing that really high uh, backing vocal part. It sounds like it's probably him. And this is just my thought about it. I don't know if it's true or not. But when he's singing uh, the the lyrics at the end, it, the the line just sort of trails off into humming or ooh or something like that. You know. Um, like yeah. like, it's almost like someone who's listening to their headphones, and you know how you sort of unselfconsciously just sing out loud. You don't know how loud you are, and you don't know whether you're in key or not, or whatever. And and maybe you just let you just sort of not you're not really paying attention to what you're singing, but you're just in you know listening to the music, and you're just feeling it. That's what it sounds like he's doing in a way. I mean, of course he's singing it very well, you know, but it's like he loses the words, that like he just like, they sort of trail off into either humming or ooing or something and it's like I love the fact that it sounds like that in the song it's like he's singing along with something in his headphones and just lets it trail off and I love that's my favorite part of the song is is that in the melody that he sings in that part too that's new you haven't heard that yet is also a really gorgeous melody.
0: I love that analysis. Well, good. <laughs> That's good we're enough. just, we're, we're going to, we're going to end the episode right there. Cause I don't know if we're going to be able to top that. <laughs> so thank you everyone for listening. Um, now uh, to, to go back to your rainy, to your rainy thing, just, just so you know, one of the songs on blonde on one is rainy day women, number 12 and number 35.
2: Oh, I, I really need to check this album out. <laughs> I should do that
0: it's good Uh, visions of Johanna just like a woman Uh, the sad eyed lady of the lowlands yeah it's uh, it's it's worthy to 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 check out all right Uh, I already told you this is my 11 Wayne your score Uh, six and Lindsay
2: four which is really low (laughs) it makes me sad
0: (laughs) all right next song is high speed soul I'm just gonna throw this over to Wayne because my voice is going out, and I need to go get some water. So, um, Wayne, tell tell me why you love High Speed Soul.
1: I, this is the one that stopped me in my tracks, and uh, I just—it was almost like I had to look and see if I hadn't hit a button on my phone and switched to uh, another another band. Uh, a lot of and a lot of the contemporaries—I mean, the Strokes, the White Stripes, the Killers—I I. I I just love the way this it just gets in your face, and then as just as soon as it does that, it it dro- it drops into this like eighties uh, that synthesizer comes in, and it and it sounds like you've just been transported thirty years, you know, twenty years behind. Um, and that I say to me that first verse, it feels like not a surf, like in a nutshell. Feel like you just landed. I mean this this idea that they're not like everybody else and and they could do something similar but that wouldn't be true to who they they really are um and i definitely think that that line about they're playing soul at the wrong speed is is a commentary on bands like the killers and the strokes uh and the white stripes that are that are using those elements but speeding them up and driving guitars into them and I just like to say this, this song, got it. it just, I loved it. Just musically as, as much
2: as anything.
0: How about you, Lindsay? how this yeah, track? This,
2: this is one of my favorites too, but it, it does sound like it. Uh, the vibe of it is a little bit different from the rest of the songs. That to me it does feel like it has sort of an intentionally retro kind of eighties ish sound, but I just love every sound in it. It's just, I was never a fan of, 80s music really but whatever this is I love it you know give me more of that That, that if that's what the 80s really sounded like I would have liked it more <laughs> but like the disco-y drums that kind of they sort of sound like the, the disco beat or whatever I, I just I think it's awesome I don't know like every, I rank this one pretty high
0: yeah what's your what's your score on this one
2: I remember it was pretty oh yeah 10 yeah
1: yeah
0: Wayne, how about you? What's your score on this one?
2: An
1: 11.
0: Okay. And this is my seven. All right, next song is Killian's Red. Just so you know, on the European release, the seventh track is No Quick Fix, which is not on the U.S. release at all. Um, so there you go. Um, which, Lindsay, you already talked about. You, uh, you included No Quick Fix on your EP album, whatever we want to call it. Um, yeah. um, incredible baseline. Uh, I would agree with that from Matthew. That's what he said on the, uh, Tim's Twitter listening party. He says, uh, once in a while I'd hear a record and I had, I had a feeling Daniel would freak out about it and I'd buy it for him. That's what happened with, with, um, how it feels to be something on. I think he bought, he brought a bit of sunny day into his own style. So I may not have gotten that entire tweet. I think there were a couple different pieces of that, but I don't think I got it all. <laughs> Lindsay, did, did I get yeah, it all? I think so.
2: Yeah, I remember. I think I, in my research for this episode, I think he had mentioned that in some other interview before. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can totally hear the Sunny Day Real Estate. I, that was an album I actually did listen to back in the day. Like So that for me, that was an old old favorite well before I ever heard of Nala Surf. So it was really cool to hear that there yeah. was something going on there.
0: And this was one of the songs that you covered for your album. So why did you why did you pick this song as opposed to some of the other songs on this record? What is it about this well, one? You
2: know, this one is another good example of that whole thing I was mentioning earlier when just the sound of it feels like it was something that was already a part of me before I ever heard the song. There's, I just feel like everything about it, the whole production is just like that is my sound like that that is you know i want to live in that sound so just the idea of trying to recreate it was pretty intimidating like the whole album doing the whole album was extremely intimidating but just to get to take it apart and put it back together again to try to analyze to learn that bass part (laughs) you know that was it was just it was just astonishingly great and the memory that I have of recording this cover was that I could barely get through singing the vocals without crying because just the, the melody and just the emotion in it is just so overwhelming. So I struggled a lot getting that, that vocal recorded, but yeah, that, that it was, it's, I think this is my top ranked song. I think it was pretty sure. Yes, it, was. it
3: is. Yeah. <laughs> I think
2: I would remember my ranking a little bit better, but it's, because <laughs> they're all twelve, so that's why I can't remember. So yeah, that's that's definitely it was definitely going to be on the, the tribute album for those reasons.
0: Yeah. And and kids, just if you're looking at the lyrics for the part where he says, "I'm closer than ever to finding the hidden track," mm-hmm. just go listen to a number of our our uh, episodes on any '90s CDs. That always love to throw in the hidden tracks on their CDs. That's something that you don't get on the spot the old Spotify. You don't get hidden tracks on Spotify people. All right. Um Wayne, anything on Killian's Red? Besides um, you've drunk a few of those in your day?
1: Oh, that's I I remember the ad campaign when that came out. That was like an eighty two or eighty three. Um I remember my dad used to drink Killian's Red for a short period. No, I have never. Uh <laughs> I do like the way that this song definitely captures uh, calling your ex drunk. Like he's he that's he's trying to fight that off right there in that in that bar. Uh, there was something about uh, how it, you know it starts with this really melodic single note uh, guitar, and it made it, it. I got this thing in my head where it just reminded me of like tool or one of those black metal bands. And then all of a sudden they're going to do this and then it's going to erupt into something else. And so it never did. So that kind of gave me a longing feel for that. But uh, lyrically he's putting a lot on this, on this woman. So it's not, uh, it's not a shock that, that he is without her.
0: I like it. All right. All right. Lindsay already said, this is their top song. This is my nine Wayne.
1: Well, I apologize. I gave it a four.
0: <laughs> we we just need to stop apologizing. All right. We, you know, Lindsay and I have already said they're all twelves. Yeah, and and Wayne, yeah, Wayne, you don't need to apologize either. All right. Uh, the way you weigh your head is next. Have one note on this, and my note is Ira. That's that's all I put. Ira. That's
2: all you need to say. <laughs>
0: uh, no, that's uh, this. And, and Ira, he, he even says that the, he loves playing this song live because it's, it's a good showcase. It's a fantastic showcase for him. Wayne, um, tell me about uh, the way you wear your head.
1: Yeah, this uh, this was another one that this one this one, it's just like this is a power pop juggernaut. Like I don't know if if people outside of, of the, you know the more hardcore fans of them would would associate them with this kind of sound, but um, it's just like I say, it's just pure power pop, and and like I say, they they shamelessly plug maybe one of the best power pop bands of all time right in that yeah in that section there Um, but not in but so but in a way that's so natural it doesn't sound like it it doesn't sound like ripping off it just sounds like like homage Um, but I love I I guess I love the also with the sound of it um, I lyrically love that the way you wear your head, because the, the more conventional term would be the way you wear your hair or something. And it's just so great because your head contains, you know, your eyes as well as your hair and your brain, which controls everything else. It's like saying, I just, I, I'm looking at you and I love everything about you. Just that instant, you know, overwhelming attraction to somebody.
0: Yeah, it, I don't, I think what he, I've always interpret this as, it's not just the obsession with the looks, but it's it's everything. It's yeah. like how your brain and how you how you view things, and um, I'm I'm attracted to all of that. So absolutely, that's how I've interpreted that. All right, uh, this track tie for me as well. This I give it a ten. Wayne, your score?
1: Oh, this is my favorite song. I gave it a twelve.
0: All right,
2: yeah, Lindsay. Yeah,
0: this, this one was... Don't apologize. Don't apologize.
3: I,
2: I, I love it. I, I gave this one the one just because it is missing a little bit of some of my favorite elements of other Not A Surf songs, like the the dark melancholy. It's, it's, it's got more of the upbeat. I mean, it's still got that to some degree, I guess, a little bit, but it I like I like it when that's the main feature of the song. So I guess that's yeah. why I ranked this one lower. But, you know, I do love the lyrics. I don't, like I said, I don't think about the lyrics very often until usually I've listened to the song probably a hundred times already. And you guys are doing great with the whole lyrical analysis thing. So I probably will <laughs> leave all the lyric discussion to you. But, yeah, the drumming is yeah. probably the highlight for me. And there, there are a few chord changes that I, I adore. But, yeah, just getting to hear see, and hear Ira play this one live is
1: such a treat and this one and this one had a guitar solo which i don't they may have guitar solos but i don't they don't really stand out this one this one made a uh, an impact because i noticed it and, and made me think like I, they don't really put guitar solos in a lot of their songs
0: no and and matthew is a little bit so he's a little bit self-deprecating when it comes to his abilities at guitar you know he kind of downplays he's like well i'm not that great of a guitarist i'm like I've it, seen you live. You're
1: yeah. you're you're
0: you're good and you're wrong.
1: Okay.
0: So all right, um all right, next song is neither heaven nor space.
4: So quiet. So quiet it's neither heaven nor space. Just
0: and the ring around the moon looks like light and, light. Neither and love. And all right, so so let me just get this out of the way. My my only criticism on this album is I'm a big sequencing guy. And sometimes the sequencing going from uh, a really high energy song to maybe uh, one that's dialed back. So like Inside of Love to Fruit Fly, I, I always kind of hated that sequencing. Um, and so the sequencing from this song, from you know arguably the, the most raucous song on the album it's kind of interesting and, and i'm pretty sure that they did that on purpose they're like we're going to take you on a roller coaster i just punched you in the face and now now we're gonna now we're gonna calm it down a little bit mm-hmm. um and i don't I, and i think that that might have affected a little bit of my score for this because um, i really do love this song it's just um coming from that big high and then you're you know, and then the, the and then the first lyrics for the for the song is it's so quiet, it's neither heaven nor space, it's just high. It's like all right, I I I get it. Um, and this this was this was actually our lowest ranked song for cumulative scores. Um, so Wayne, uh, this didn't track real high for you. What uh, was there? was it the sequencing was there something else
1: Yeah no I I absolutely agree with you it and I didn't I'll agree I'll admit that I didn't give it much of a chance because of that of that drastic I mean it's coming off a song I absolutely just love and then it it's there was a it and it does have much more of a if you would say conventional not a surf sound it feels familiar it has a lot of elements that are that are very I associate with them, so I I, I wrote it off in a, in a lot of ways.
0: <laughs> Lindsay, any, anything stand out on this one?
2: Well, I just love the kind of lush production of it and like the kind of cinematic sound. I really love it. it this one was mixed by Louis Leno, who I mentioned earlier. So yeah, and I'm, I'm a really big fan of his. And me too. He added, like I think Matthew mentioned it in the. The listening party, he mentioned that there was a ghost, he put in a ghost train rail squeak that Louie put in, and I was listening to it yes. after that, and I was like, oh, yeah, I know what he's talking about. I never even really thought about it. I just thought it was just some sort of I don't, I don't think I and- had ever,
0: yeah, I don't think I had ever heard it until he brought that up. I'm like, that's fantastic.
2: And it doesn't sound like a sound effect. It sounds very musical. No. Like it's supposed yeah. to be there, but it, it it you know, it definitely has it evokes that feeling. So yeah, I just love the whole mood of this song. You know, the overall vibe of it.
0: Alright. So this is my three, Wayne. Uh two. And Lindsay.
2: That was my three also.
0: All right. Next song is La Porca.
3: Monsieur, do we live Latifera? She la borsa, she la borsa, she la
4: borsa.
0: And I'm going to just freely admit this. This was a song back in the day that I used to skip. And then I saw this live and my immediate reaction after hearing. So this is Daniel singing the vocals. This is not Matthew. Um, And and Daniel lives in, in Spain now. So this is all Spanish. Or no, this is French. This is French. This is French. He lives in Spain. Um, and all I could think was, I'm a real butthole that I've been passing this over for the last 15 years. Because um, now, that, now that I heard Daniel sing it, I don't ever skip this. I enjoy it um it still didn't track super high for me uh because it is an outlier this is another outlier on the on on the record but it's it's a beautiful song this would have been this would have been a good hidden track since we brought up the hidden track thing this would have been a good hidden track but again i think it's it's ballsy that they put this on and they're like nope we're going to give Daniel a song, and he's going to sing in a language that nobody is going to understand, and here you go. I don't have anything else. Any, any, either of you have anything on this one?
2: Oh, yeah. I definitely do. Okay,
0: let's hear it, Lindsay.
2: <laughs> I ranked this one fairly high. Uh, this was one of those that the sound of it, I felt like the first time I heard it, like, I think at any point in my life, if I had heard this song, it would have appealed to me like at at any age because it just has that certain groove and like I would have loved it when I was like nine, yeah you know, or you know like okay just it just has a feel to it that's just like that that is just so me, I don't know like I keep re- using that idea over and over again, but like the fact that it's in French to me is a plus rather than a minus because <laughs> I love that language and I've been trying to learn it kind of independently for a long time. Okay. And that was way before I ever heard of not a surf. I didn't start trying to learn French because I love not a surf. But for some reason, when I was a kid, I was like, I want to learn how to speak French. But we didn't have it at my rural high school. French was not offered as a class. So I had to, well, right now I'm using Duolingo you know, every day I've got a over a thousand day streak on Duolingo learning French right now. So <laughs> the fact that it's in my favorite language other than English is a plus. I love the sound of it. I, I looked up the translation and I love the words in English as well. So
0: <laughs> I just, um. I just put this in cause I kept meaning to do it all week and I forgot to. So I just put it in the Google French to English translation. And, um, Maybe that doesn't completely work.
2: Yeah, it's not perfect.
0: <laughs> no, no. The first lines are "Think of me next time." You will hear the sound of the waves, and if they tell you that you made me only hurt, don't work. Anyways, it's it's not a good translation. Um, there is a line that Wayne you'll you'll enjoy. Uh, one of the lines is "Guys are bastards."
1: ain't that true
2: <laughs> and that's another reason i like it in french because it sounds so much lovelier when you say that in in french rather than
0: English. yeah absolutely absolutely all right um this is my two Lindsay, your score
2: it is a seven
0: all right and wayne
1: yeah um i'm not saying french isn't a beautiful language i it was too much french i will just not to be too hard on him, but we also knocked points off of Sir Paul McCartney on uh, Michelle when we did Rubber Soul. We did uh, because there's too much French. Uh, not no, it's more of not knowing what they're saying. Like I am a lyric guy, and so when I don't have any idea what the song is about, I feel untethered. And I, and I, and, it, and I didn't go any farther than that.
2: They have a pretty big fan base in France, as far as I can tell. So I think that may have been part of. What led to them including this on the album, they knew there were... At the time, though, I don't know how big their fan base was in that, in that time. I know now. know.
0: Yeah, maybe this is the reason why they have a French fan base. Because yeah, they're like, hey, they have a dude that speaks French. That actually, actually, Matthew speaks French as well.
2: Right. Um, yeah. yeah. But they've done more songs in French, you know. So that, that's, this is definitely not the only one. Uh, this might be the only one that's actually on one of their regular albums is that maybe the other ones are like b-sides i guess maybe
0: yeah or hidden I tracks <laughs> i don't know yeah. all right uh all right next song treading water I love the fact that so so he threw this out on the, the listening party and um, I can relate to this. He says there's a line about talking to missionaries at my door. I used to work at a bookstore and a couple of young Mormons on mission talked to me for an afternoon. I felt for them six and a half days a week of rejection and a few hours to do laundry. And for someone who has served a Mormon mission <laughs> he, he pretty much nailed it. It's a uh, six and a half days of rejection and a few hours to do laundry. That's, that's, that's about it. Um, anyways, I, I love the fact that he included that and, uh, he included that line because, uh, the, the whole treading water th- there were a lot of moments during my mission that I was, I felt like I've, I was treading water and, um, and and there's been plenty of moments in my life where i felt like i'm treading water 2020 treading water yeah so anyways was there anything else lindsay from his his comments on this song that uh, that, that stuck out i think he said something about some of his favorite guitarists but i can't i didn't i didn't put that
2: i didn't copy over any of the tweets from this one i'm not sure why okay yeah i think you covered the main thing that i remember from
0: the the thing. Yeah. Wayne, this track higher for for you than me? What'd you like about treading water?
1: Uh, I like it's lyrically and I never, I couldn't figure out, I couldn't crack the code on the movies like Zoo's line, but the rest of that, Mm. the first verse, the idea of treading water, I mean, when you look at it in this sense of, you know, being a, you know, you're adrift at sea, just trying to survive until something happens. And so, this this first verse focuses much more on a relationship and your personal life, and you know, is she the right one? Am I giving it a chance? Like you're waiting for it to become clear. You're just you're you're struggling to stay afloat, trying to figure out if which way to go with this, what it means. Um, I like the fact that he used that he the second you know the the line right after that is treading white wine, because it gives it. It's, it takes it from the sea and it kind of gives it a much more real life context. And it and it doesn't, but yet it doesn't sound like tr- drinking your problems away. It just more or less puts this whole thing into a real life perspective. And the second verse is very similar in the sense that it's, it's uh, um, what does life mean? What is, you know, what's the bigger picture? And all of these big, you know, uh, not necessarily religious, but spiritual questions that we all have. Uh, you know, kind of waiting for it to all come clear at some point, you know, just treading water or white wine.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Lindsay, anything else?
2: Well, I'll attempt some lyrical analysis on this one. I don't know. Do it. Movies like <laughs> That line, Movies Like Zoos, I didn't really think about it very much until preparing for this episode. And it was like, it hit me while I was looking at the lyrics. I was like, maybe it means something like, so many of the other lyrics that imply the protagonist of the song is sort of an outsider and doesn't really feel at home. Like, uh, in High Speed Soul, do you ever feel like you just landed on this earth? And in other words, like, you know, you're sort of looking at other people, like, how am I supposed to fit in here? So maybe, like, watching movies would be like going to a zoo and you're observing this other, these all these other species and how they behave and you're just... Does that make sense? Like, like you're watching yeah. movies to see Absolutely. how humans yeah. behave, just to the, the same way you might go to a zoo to see how something other than you behaves. <laughs> That's worded very terribly, but that was my thought. What movies like zoos might mean.
0: I love it. I love it. All right, all right. This is my four, Wayne. Eight. And Lindsay. Uh, six. All right.
2: Yeah, I love yeah. the sound of this one. Though again, the overall vibe is just—I just adore it.
0: Yep. Yeah. All right, next, next, next song. Also, last song. Let's wrap this up. This is Paper Boats.
4: Just sad about something Yeah So tell me what
0: Again, quote from, from Matthew: the "What's wrong?" Nothing. Conversation part. Oof. There's sometimes nothing lonelier than saying nothing when you really mean everything. Oof. Oh, so good, <laughs> so good. Um, and he did mention. He said, "Paper boats, more made-up chords. I mostly just put finger, put my fingers on the frets and move them around until something sounds good." Not the quickest way to work, though.
2: Yeah, but you come up with such great stuff that way. You know why? Don't try to fix what's not broken.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and since you guys have been apologizing all all uh, all all day about your your scores, I'll just apologize for my score. So I I gave it a five, but I love this song. This is a, and this is a really great way to wrap this this record up. Um, I just I feel like this is a great album closer. Um, I always I always mention, Wayne, that I want the album closer to be one of those songs where after you hear it, you go, I need to go check out the rest of this person's discography. And this this definitely is it for, for me. Um, Lindsay, you had the high score out of all of us. What, what is it about the song?
2: I just love the sound of it and the, the, the entire production and I put it in my notes for this one that this is one of those that I don't understand how you go as a songwriter from a blank page to this and like where how how do you go from nothing to this production in the end it's just it just seems like it everything about it the chord progression the melody the lyrics is just you know it was just perfection and i don't know how how do you, how does that occur to you like the, the he says he just puts his fingers on the fretboard and comes up with something i'm just like <laughs> it just things like this is should have always existed um i just oh, i just adore it i think it's gorgeous melancholy it's got that vibe that i love so much about Nona surf that this is they just create this sonic universe that i want to live in and great example of that is is this song
0: yeah Wayne, I know you're, you're gonna bring up some lyrics so let's hear it. what do you like on this one?
3: Uh,
1: well my my favorite lyric is the train uh, the train phrase that where it, it moves along like a paper boat although it weighs a million pounds I swear it almost seems to float yeah I thought that was the best line but I, I think that this is a great closer. I think it really it, it addresses all of, of many of this these uh, similar, themes and concepts throughout the record you know uh that kind of that outsider thing You know where where is my life going um, all of these different ideas are are in this very short and the the conversation part in the middle are in between they redo the first verse i I wasn't I was on the fence early on but I, I I once again I think it does add it's it's very impactful it wouldn't be right to take it out but um yeah, this is kind of this great closer where you just kind of float off into the you know, trying to find out what the next Not a Surf album sounds like.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh last scores. This is like I mentioned, this is my five, Wayne.
1: Also my five.
0: All right, Lindsay. Eleven. All right. Yep. <laughs> So I always ask, did we cover everything? Did we miss anything?
2: The only thing that I was going to add, and this is against the rules, because it's talking about the non-album song, or non-US album go song. Go ahead. And quick fix.
3: <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I was
2: going to say that if that was included in the ranking, which that would have been one way to improve the album. If I had to complain about anything, they could have just included that song and made it a 13-track 13,
3: yeah.
2: Yeah, 13 album. But if it had been included, it would have been my eight and then everything okay. else would have been moved down by one. It would have just been right in there at 8 and everything else would have gone down. So, I kind of cheated a little bit with that and, you know, <laughs> score, I guess. It's
0: all good. It's all good. All right. Any guesses on number 1?
2: I think we were sort of all over the place, so it's hard to guess. We
0: were we were all over. We all had we all had different 12s. So Wayne Wayne selected the way you wear your head. I had Inside of Love. You had Killian's Red. Um, so here, I didn't mention this during during my scores, so I cheated a little bit today. Uh-oh. So I I, I moved around a couple Wayne's Wayne's given me the look of dis, mm-hmm. disapproval. All right, let me tell you the reason why. We have a three way tie for fifth. That's why I did it. That's why I did it. All right, number one, Inside of Love, average score of 9.66. Second, High Speed Soul, which is an average score of 9.33. Third is Killian's Red, 8.33. Fourth is The Way You Wear Your Head, average score of 7.66. And then I moved around a couple of numbers. So we've got a three-way tie for... Or for fifth which is Happy Kid, Blonde on Blonde and Paper Boats because I, I wanted Happy Kid in my in my top alright so there you go so I cheated a little bit sue day. me sue <laughs> me alright um, Lindsay this was great
2: oh, this was a lot of fun yeah. And I wanted to mention that I feel really honored to get to be the guest that got to do this album for you, because I know it's such a huge deal for you and I couldn't believe yep. that somebody hadn't already done it and it was available for me to choose. Well,
0: p- 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 so, so part of it, and this is where I do my, my OPP, my, my Other People's Podcast promotion, um, is I already did a guest episode on our buddy Derek his 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 uh i effing love that record podcast so he invited me to come on his podcast and we talked about this because he derek also loves this so i think there were a few people that had heard my heard my episode on that so they they were like well he's already talked about it and so i even reached out to derek i'm like are you okay if i talk about it again he's like yeah I want to hear other people's opinions of this album as well. So there we go. It's a shameless plug to, to Derek and his, uh, and his podcast as well. I'll put that in the episode notes and y'all can go check out that episode that we, we talked about. Cause, uh, yeah,
2: I definitely want to check it out because I mean, I could never hear enough about this album. So,
0: yeah, it's, it's great. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so Lindsay tell people where they can find all of your happenings.
2: Uh, my website Gretchen'sWheel.com, and I'm uh, I'm not really all that active on social media, but I do have you know Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter uh, under Gretchen's Wheel, right. so you can find that there.
0: And um, I'm going to give the endorsement as well that people need to go check out your music because, uh, like I said, I've, since you send me the records, I've been listening to such Open Sky, and it is a it's such a gorgeous record. Right. I hope people go out, uh, go, go check it out. Um, even if you're just going to go check it out with all the extra personnel that you, that you were able to to talk into coming on your, on your record. Um, but it's, it's great. And I hope we'll, we'll go check that out. Yeah, so.
2: Hopefully if someone's an Autosurf fan that they will find something to like on this record.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. for sure. For sure. For sure. All right. Um, So as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes by going to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. You can find uh, us on on the socials. Um, I am kind of active on the socials. Go go find me on Facebook. Uh, Just search for Records Revisited Podcast. I'm on Twitter at Podcast Records. Wayne is on the Instagram. Not as active, but where can they find us there?
1: Records Revisited Podcast.
0: Yeah, that's super easy. And um, we just launched our Patreon, so please go and support us. Uh, go to patreoncom podcast. And uh, anyone who um, becomes one of our patron revisitors in the month of May will be invited to our first ever live stream event with. Ira Elliott of Not a Surf, one of our favorites, and we're going to be talking about London calling. I think this episode will be coming out a couple days before that, so you still have time to to to, to sign up for as low as three dollars. And look, if you just wanna participate in the live stream, just go 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 give us three dollars and then You know, go ahead and drop off after a month. We're, we're okay with that. I will not take offense whatsoever. So there we go. All right. Shameless plugs, man. I've been doing a lot of shameless plugs on this episode, Wayne, a lot of shameless plugs. All right. Um, all right, let's wrap this up. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. I would tell you to go to a live show, but you kind of know the drill on that. So, um, support your favorites. If any of if they if any of them are doing live stream events uh, please please go check those out we are getting back out there to live music um, just just be safe all right make sure you buy a t-shirt of the band buy a record maybe one that's called um, such open sky and uh, you can't go visit a record store just just be safe we are records visit and we are
2: oh, My out was kind of wimpy.